Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. My guest today is Michael Brensbo, and today we are going to talk about part two of the Danish Empire. Now, we don't, probably don't have to listen to part one, which is colleague Kurt Villa Jensen, but I would recommend, if you haven't heard that episode already, go back to listen to it and come back to this one. And I got to ask, I always ask my guests this, how did you get an interest in the Danish Empire? Was it because you're Danish yourself, or was, it, was there other reasons? Um, it um, had long seemed to me that uh, writing uh, the Danish historiography is very much about the present-day state named Denmark. And um, of course, it is um, uh, historians are not unaware of the fact that other territories ha- uh, um, have been part of that uh, state through history. Yet, um, it seems that historians did not t- um, fully take the consequences of that insight, asking what did it mean for um, uh, the Kingdom of Denmark that uh, other parts, uh, other territories were, were were part of that state. And furthermore, it would seem that many that um, the tendency has been to project back the present uh, present day state named Denmark onto further ages, and uh, more or less ignoring that uh, the, the Kingdom of Denmark was part of a much larger. Uh, empire, and that means that many um, decisions, political decisions, um, have uh, been considered uh, uh, utterly foolish. Whereas, if you um, uh, remember to um, to, to um, be aware that um, there were many other territories of the empire, then some of these decisions will be much more meaningful. So it just seemed to me that. Um, um, the present-day Denmark was just more or less uncritically being projected back back onto further ages, and uh, that made uh, the historical interpretation of much of what happened during these ages uh, um, somewhat meaning meaningless. And we talked about this in the previous episode with your colleague that in Denmark, if you look at it, you think it would be insignificant to international politics and international history, which is not true at all, and which was, as I say this again, it was surprising to me when I read the book how significant the empire actually was on European politics and influence. Mm, Yes, yes, and that's something that has been um, more or less forgotten after the disastrous defeat to Germany in the War of 1864, then um, uh, the Danish state has more or less, and Danish historiography has more or less uh, closed around itself and, uh, and and writing the history of the present day Denmark uh, projected onto further ages, on, onto for, former ages where uh, Denmark was not the same as today, but historians have written history as if it were. Mm. 
And when, how did you meet Kurt? And how did you, when did you decide that we don't write a book, the history, the way it was? Yes. Well, um, uh, Kurt and I were colleagues at the University of Southern Denmark at Odense, and the um, and we have discussed it. And then um, there was um, uh, a, um, a group of students having uh, a kind, not an, a publishing house, but a kind of bureau that um, um, uh, uh, received uh, ideas and then uh, suggested ideas to uh, publishing houses. And they asked us if we would uh, be interested in writing uh, that, that, that book. And as it was something that we have um, discussed uh, uh, among ourselves all, already, then uh, it was um, it, we, we did not hesitate long to uh, to uh, uh, accept uh, this uh, idea. Now for the English viewers, it's coming out in as an English for format later this year, hopefully or next year. Yes. But I would, for for my Scandinavian viewers, I would highly recommend reading it. It is a fantastic book to read, and you get to learn a lot about Danish and Scandinavian history, which is amazing in itself. And I would, I want to start this episode because we're right we're kind of in the middle ages right now where we left off the last episode so what how did the Denmark Danish influence in the Baltic Sea what can you talk about the Danish influence in the Baltic Sea for me um it was so that um all uh, the 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 Baltic areas was very very uh, commercially important for Europe and it so happened that all ships going uh, so to somewhere in, in the Baltic area um, uh, to, to get uh, grain, uh, timber, uh, fur, uh, whatever, they had to pass through uh, the Danish waters, pass through the narrow Danish Uresund, uh, and there, um, the, um, and there uh, pay a sound toll to the king of, of Denmark, making him a very, very rich man. And But furthermore, it meant that international um, uh, commercial shipping had to pass through the narrow straits of of Denmark, and um, it also meant that um, in case um, uh, the the, um, the passage were were being broken in in case of a Danish blockade, then it would it would mean a stranglehold on the uh, international trade, and and that means something that uh, and. Um, and which meant that um, this um, the Danish Straits were of uh, a very huge strategical importance for the great powers, but it was also a part, it, but it also gave the Danish state um, possibilities of um, um, of um, maintaining itself internationally by um, by by having this by being able to close down uh, the important uh, international trade if it. Um, um, uh, found a reason to do so. And was this one of the main incomes to the Danish Empire when with the, from the Baltic Sea in, in from the economy? Yes, to begin with, it was actually the uh, revenues of the sound toll that was the king's personal revenue, it, uh, not the state's uh, revenue. But um, uh, so um, to begin with, it was possible to maintain the state um, with this uh, sound toll and uh, only. Uh, collect other taxes in in time times of war, but when peace was restored, then these other taxes they um, disappeared again. But um, uh, due to the uh, so-called military revolution, the growth of the army of the size of the army, then um, 
during from the uh, 17th century and onwards, um, the, the sound troll was not enough to finance the, the, uh, the, the state. Then um, taxes had to be uh, collected both in um, peacetime and in times of war. And the um, uh, level of taxation was constantly growing to finance uh, the military expenses. How does Sweden feel about the Danish grip on the Baltic Sea? What in what was there? Because Sweden is as well bordering to the Baltic Sea. So how did they feel about Denmark having the monopoly on the Baltic Sea? They felt um, threatened uh, as um, uh, Swedish ships um, uh, would would have to pass through uh, the Sound on um, at least until. Uh, the city of Gothenburg was um, um, founded. And furthermore, um, uh, Sweden and the Danish Empire had long borders in common as the as Norway was part of the Danish Empire. And that means the uh, Norwegian uh, Swedish border was, uh, uh, yeah, was a border between the two states. And furthermore, um, uh, Scania Halland and Blicking, they were parts of the Danish, um, they are on this, uh, geographically situated at the Swedish um, peninsula, yet they were, were uh, Danish and thus bordered to, uh, to Sweden. And uh, they were Danish until they were conquered by Sweden in 1658, whereby the Kingdom of Denmark lost uh, one third of its um, uh, its size and furthermore it meant that from then on uh, uh, Denmark did no longer control both sides of the sound as the other one now had become uh, Swedish and um, the great powers were um, happy with that saying that they thought it was too dangerous that the same power was controlling the small uh, strait where all the international um, commercial shipping traffic had to pass uh, through and so they thought it was good that uh, true rivaling uh, countries were were at each side because then um, um, they, they couldn't um, uh, decide to block uh, the, the shipping traffic and then and cause uh, huge um, uh, troubles for the international trade. And uh, without Norway, the Baltic Sea was as well the only way for Sweden. If you don't go to North Sea, Northern Sea, the way out yes. into the Atlantic as well. Yes. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so Sweden was also uh, strongly dependent on passing through the sound and um, uh, was uh, and uh, since there were a lot of Dano-Swedish antagonisms, the Swedes were not happy that they had to pass through the sound that was uh, till 1658 controlled by the King of Denmark on both sides. So did this damage the Swedish and the Danish relations? Uh, yes, uh, or at least we'll say they were, the Dano-Swedish relations were already um, uh, very um, um, hostile. So, um, so, so it, it uh, and uh, this, of course, made them even more uh, hostile. So why was there hostility between the Danish and the, and the Swedes? That, that... Uh, it was partly due to the 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 Kalmar Union that uh, had um, that that was dissolved finally in 1523, uh, but um, it happened after a Danish conquest of Sweden and after the so-called uh, bloodbath in uh, Stockholm. So there was uh, a lot of um, of um, 
anger against um, uh, Denmark. And then furthermore, the two countries had um, uh, uh, different interests and um, they, they wanted to expand both of them. And um, uh, that led to um, growing conflicts. And what was, can you elaborate a little bit on the bloodbath of Stockholm? Yes, that was after the reconquest of uh, Sweden by uh, King Christian II, who is in Sweden known as King Christian the Tyrant. Um, then um, um, uh, there, there was, um, uh, um, he had conquered Sweden and um, uh, made a deal with the Swedish um, elite and this uh, deal was uh, then to be celebrated at the, at the castle of Stockholm. And then in the middle of it, um, he, his, he sent his military, uh, his military in and arrest many of the Swedish uh, noblemen and prominent citizens of Stockholm. And um, um, several of them are afterwards being uh, executed. Uh, and um, so he has broken his promise, but he's, but he's using religious argumentation saying, well, they are heretics. And since they are heretics, you are not bound by the promises. Uh, so this uh, bloodbath in Stockholm, that uh, was considered um, uh, a very, very brutal act and uh, was long remembered in Sweden and um, uh, contribute to um, uh, to increase the um, hostility and antagonisms against Denmark from uh, the Swedish side. And I wanted to stay a little bit longer on Scandinavia and then not, don't go international yet, but with, I thought that this, this just this with a friend of mine and uh, who is an historian as well. We talked about this. How the, because Norway was, was really dependent on grain from Denmark. So trying to talk about the Norwegian dependence on the on the Danish Empire and to, for survival. Um, yes, um, uh, and, um, at the Reformation in 1536, uh, Norway's status was changed from being one kingdom um, uh, uh, having the same king as the Danish kingdom had, Norway was changed into uh, a member of uh, the kingdom of Denmark as a, um, a Danish province, so to say, at least um, uh, officially in practice, uh, the uh, Norway uh, continued having uh, certain uh, special Norwegian laws and uh, and so, but um, uh, so, so, but but no, and uh, but um, the Norwegian Council of the Realm, a, a, a council of Norwegian noblemen, that was abolished in connection with the Reformation in 1536. So that from then on, Norway was being governed from Denmark. There was no um, uh, uh, um, official Norwegian uh, state organ having any say in um, the government. It, it all happened from Copenhagen, and it was governed by the Danish, the Danish king and the Danish. Council of the Realm without um, having any Norwegian representatives. Uh, but um, after the disastrous um, defeat to Sweden in 1658, um, then um, uh, Norway was again considered a kingdom of itself just in a personal union with the King of Denmark because mm. the King of Denmark had lost one third of, his, of the Danish territories to Sweden and um, uh, in, in, in order to compensate that, he felt the need of emphasizing that he had indeed two crowns, namely the Danish and the Norwegian one. So then Norway formally 
became a kingdom of itself again, even if it was um, still being uh, governed from uh, Denmark, governed by the Danish king and did not have any government of her own. Um, I, I remember reading this and um, you mentioned, I think it was an English writer, don't get, I might be wrong, but he mentioned that the Dan Norwegians under Danish rule were more, were really free. They had freedom of speech, they had freedom to enjoy whatever, so to speak. Um, is this true to so much? How free um, were they? There the are, uh, that's something that is a, a, a topic that is hotly debated among Danish and Norwegian historians. Uh, it's, it's correct that Norway did not have large landed estates, so uh, Norwegian peasants were much more um, independent. They were much freer than their Danish counterparts that were um, tenant farmers uh, under a landlord. Uh, and um, and it's, it's also being said that the level of taxation in Norway was much lower than the level of taxation in Denmark. Uh, yet the question is, how should this be interpreted? There are Danish historians saying, well, that, that shows that uh, uh, Norway had a very free position and that Norway was not being suppressed or exploited by the Danes since the uh, level of taxation was much, 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 much larger in Denmark. Yet there are Norwegian historians that argue that um, uh, Norway was indeed being exploited from Denmark and that was and, and that made the Norwegians so poor that they could not pay so much in tax. So um, a low level of ta taxation in Norway should be, is a sign of um, extreme exploitation from uh, 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 Denmark. So um, it all depends how you uh, see it and what you um, um, uh, what you consider uh, of most um, uh, important so so it, it's very very much debated um, and um, probably the, uh, and there are those saying Norway was very very was uh, treated as a, a very liberally and uh, given a lot of freedom whereas Norwegians they know the the um, suppression and exploitation from Denmark was was um, extreme so extreme that uh, the Norwegians may not have been able to see it them, themselves so um, that's uh, a um, an ongoing uh, debate. Um, it's often so that Danes tend to mean one thing and uh, Norwegians the other thing, but the, the other thing, but there are also nuances uh, that are not um, nationally um, uh, limited. And you also don't think about the terrain in Norway, which is, as you know, it's very mountainous here in Norway. And it's not easy farmland, unlike in Denmark, where it's almost all flat, so you can find farmland as long the I can see almost and, and uh, of course that's exaggerating it a bit but you know to think about the terrain as well and how it's not easy to find farmland because there's so much mountains and there's so much you know the it's not yes. easy yes it, 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 it uh, to have landed estates in Norway that doesn't really function so um, uh, so um, they, they didn't have that and uh, that means Norwegians peasants they often owned their own farms and if they rented it it was on uh, business-like terms, it, there, there were no um, feudal obligations attached to it. And how, so let's move to international levels, how did Denmark go, go on about finding colonies in Africa? And let's talk about African colonies before we go to the South American ones and the slavery, slavery in the Danish Empire. Yes. 
Um, yes, there was um, during the 17th century an ex expansion of uh, the world trade. Europeans got in contact with um, uh, other parts of the world and um, uh, many uh, products from these parts of the world came to Europe and became um, uh, became um, pro prolific um, uh, products of, of consumption. Uh, I mean, coffee, sugar, rum, uh, um, uh, what do you say, uh, cotton, and so on. And um, then, uh, from a Danish point of view, it was uh, that Denmark, the Danish Empire, should have its share of this increased world trade and its uh, share of all these um, exotic products uh, now appearing on the market. And um, it was in, instead of buying these products from other European countries, uh, why not uh, get some colonies ourselves, and then we can um, uh, we won't um, have to pay. Um, uh, valuable um, foreign currency to buy it, but we'll just uh, import it ourselves from, from 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 our own colonies. So, um, uh, so so the the purpose was to uh, uh, to get um, such um, uh, exotic uh, products and um, and avoid uh, uh, buying them from other European countries. So and uh, and and waste uh, uh, foreign currency on that. So how successful were they? Because they had some African colonies. Which colonies were they? Was this? Well, uh, the first colony was acquired in 1620. That was in India, Trankebar. Mm. Uh, and um, this, uh, and uh, then the next one, um, there were, uh, uh, and, and of course from India, uh, spices, cotton, silk, and so on uh, came uh, from, from there. Then, um, then uh, colonies were um, um, uh, acquired in um, in the the, the Caribbean uh, in uh, uh, and uh, uh, three small islands and um, production of sugar and uh, a byproduct of that rum uh, was uh, delivered there and these uh, sugar plantations they were um, uh, uh, were. Um, the work there was carried out by enslaved people. And again, instead of buying slaves from other countries, why not have our own um, colony in Africa where we can get slaves from and um, transport them across the ocean and then to the, again to, uh, to save uh, currency and uh, make sure that Denmark would have its fair share of the expanding world trade. Uh, so um, um, the, the purpose of the colonists at the Gold Coast of Africa was, uh, well, gold was something they, they thought they, they might find, that not to a very large extent, but primary uh, enslaved people to be transported across the Atlantic to the West Indian uh, islands where they should work in the sugar plantations. Yet um, the, the plantation owners, they uh, bought uh, the slaves where they could get them at the best price so that they did not necessarily buy uh, slaves having arrived by a Danish ship they bought slaves wherever they could could get them that means from other colonial powers as well if they um, it was a question where they could, could uh, buy them at the uh, most favorable price but at least that, that was um, and um, this uh, and then at that um, the uh, slaves they were um, uh, due to the uh, the climate, 
Europeans could not could only stay at the coastal areas in Africa. They could not get further in because then they would uh, might cause uh, catch malaria and other diseases. So that means um, the European colonies they were dependent on cooperating with local African chiefs delivering enslaved people to them. Did they bring and, slaves back to Denmark itself, or was that just the colonies in South America, in the um, Caribbean? Uh, yeah, there were some. Um, uh, people from the colonies that w- later went to Denmark and brought their slaves with them, but uh, they were very, very few in numbers. They were ma- the, 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 sl- the slaves were um, uh, staying in uh, uh, the three West Indian Danish islands because um, uh, to work in the sugar plantations there. Um, how successful were they with the colonies, and how many emigrated to the colonies in the Caribbean from Denmark? Um, well, very few emigrated. Those who emigrated were um, civil servants, uh, um, military men, and then a few um, uh, merchants. And But actually, many of the inhabitants, the European inhabitants of the West Indian Islands, they were not Danish at all. Um, mm-hmm. Danish was, was not really spoken on these, the three islands. Uh, English was um, the... Um, uh, language being spoken there. So there are many uh, plantation owners, they were of uh, British or Dutch or American or whatever uh, origins. And so um, it was actually very few Danes that emigrated uh, to uh, the colonies and usually only those who were either um, engaged in uh, in, uh, in the the plantations there or working as civil servants or or military men. So it it was, so Danish immigration to the colonies was uh, um, was very very low. And did they have, did the colon- those who lived in the colonies have to, of course, had to pay a tax to Denmark for living inside the colonies? Um, yes, but and the and uh, uh, many there were tax on many of the colonial products, so that um, the the state could also um, uh, profit. Uh, uh, from it, and uh, it was just a, it, the the um, idea was that um, Denmark would get uh, products from her colonies, and in that way, wealth would, in general, would increase in Denmark as well due to uh, uh, the, the the colonies and the products uh, from there. Something I want to talk about in this, in the, it's kind of a broad topic. I would just suppose to say, but how. In this time, and we talked a little bit about this in the previous episode as well, but during this time period, what was Danish rule like over, over its empire as a whole? Was it reinforced? Was it like we talked about in Norway? Was it with freedom? Um, or how much, how free were the people of the Danish colonies and empire? Um, they were. From 1660, there was uh, royal absolutism was uh, the um, the rule that 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 was, and that did not, in uh, as a point of departure, leave much um, freedom to the population. Yet still, there were differences. I, I mentioned uh, f- uh, the the peasants in Denmark uh, were under um, mm. uh, landlords, and they had feudal op- obligations. Uh, so it was kind of serfdom. Uh, well, uh, not not fully. Whereas in uh, the Duchy of Holstein, also part of they had 
um, downright serfdom. In Denmark, it was not really serfdom, but it was something very close uh, to it, whereas Norwegian um, uh, uh, peasants uh, did not have any landowners and were, were uh, uh, free. But um, as for the Danish Empire, um, unlike so many other empires, it was only to a very um, modest extent based on conquest. Uh, the reason why Norway had um, become part of the Danish Empire was uh, through inheritance. Mm. The um, uh, Norwegian uh, king had died and um, um, his uh, son had also been uh, acknowledged as, as Danish king. And in that way, um, the two kingdoms had the same, same king. And uh, uh, something similar goes for the, the Dutchies. They were also were not conquered, but were um, were under. Um, and but the, the Danish king had become duke there. Um, uh, and um, uh, we can say yes. Um, and even the colonies in India, they were not conquered. They but they were. But uh, the Danes got an agreement with. Uh, uh, local princes that, that allowed uh, this colony to be Danish and uh, uh, the same was uh, the case in the African colonies and the and um, the two of the, the small Virginia islands they were deserted so that the Danes just took them but they weren't they didn't I uh, wouldn't call that a conquest as there were no uh, mm. and the third of them and the most fertile one was later bought from France, so um, there, there is so uh, the Danish Empire was uh, to a, 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 very, a very, very modest extent based on um, uh, conquest. What about Iceland, Greenland? And uh, sorry, I don't, I don't know the English word for for the islands name. Farina, if you talk about the Faroe Islands, yes, Faroe, Faroe, yeah. yes. Um, uh, um, Greenland, Iceland, and the Faroe Islands, they used to be part of Norway and when um, uh, Norway came into a personal union with the Kingdom of Denmark, then these three islands, they, uh, they just followed. They, they, they were, um, there was no um, strong interest in Denmark for these North Atlantic islands to begin with. They just uh, followed Norway as they were, they were, were part of, uh, of uh, Norway or part of the Norwegian Empire, we might say. Um, so and what how why did Denmark want so well, why did Denmark want to sell the its African colonies? Did it run out of use or what was what's yes. the reason for this? Yes, they, they run out of they ran out of use and um uh, instead of being a source of wealth and revenue, they um um they, they were a source of surplus. And uh, the more so in um in um, uh, as um, uh, in uh, in 1803, um, exportation of uh, enslaved people from Africa to the Danish West Indies had been uh, banned. Uh, so, um, uh, so that and um, even if they tried to develop other. Uh, trades in Africa, some agriculture, it, it didn't, uh, it didn't work. It, it all, it caused a, a surplus. So um, uh, they were, they were of no use anymore. They were, they, they were giving uh, a lot of, um, uh, sur of um, deficit. So, and how, uh, they, who did it sell the colonies to? Uh, to, uh, to Britain, as the British uh, had said that they would, um, uh, they would not accept uh, that they were sold to anyone else than to, uh, to, uh, the British, so they they were sold in 1850, but they had then 
at that time by long been out of use and uh, only uh, given a, a, a huge deficit. And um, the same goes for the, the um, colonies in India. They were also sold uh, to, uh, um, to Britain in 1845 and they were, were of no use anymore they were were, were giving uh, they were giving a deficit and um, um and, and they were, had been given up there but at least they had been under danish rules for 225 years uh yes and that the uh, the islands in the caribbean they were sold in 1917 to the states to the us uh, there had been attempts to um, to sell them um, before, but once uh, the U.S. Senate uh, said no, and later on the Danish uh, Parliament said no. But in in the third attempt in 1917, they uh, uh, um, it was part, they, they managed to sell the islands to uh, the the U.S. and that was um, at a good time because uh, a week after the states had taken over the islands, um, uh, the USA got into the to World War One. In, against Germany, so that, that was uh, right. And furthermore, uh, to close the deal in 1917, the Danish government um, uh, uh, convinced the US government that the US should uh, publicly acknowledge uh, the, the right of, of Denmark for the whole island of Greenland. Mm. Uh, so, um, and, and th th that was um, something that, that was very, uh, useful foreign political scene for Denmark uh, later uh, during the 20th, 20th century. And how, but how you, you mentioned in the book as well that England wasn't really interested in buying the African colonies and how much did it sell it for? I don't remember the exact amount, but um, it's true that um, Britain wasn't really interested in buying, but on the other hand said, we will not accept that you sell it to anyone but us. So, uh, uh, and, and, and then in 1850, the British accepted that they to, to buy um, these uh, territories, but, but uh, if they had uh, offered it before, they would, the, the African colonies would probably have been uh, sold to Britain long before. And hmm. um, something I want to talk a little bit about again is a certain silver mine in Norway called in Kongsberg, the city of Kongsberg. Yes. And how is it? How important was this mine? Because it was founded by I, I don't remember the name of the Danish. Was it Frederick? I think. Um, yes, at least, or at least it was of great importance during the reign of King Christian the Fourth. Christian, that's it. Yes, and this um, silver mine in Kongsberg, well, that was a source of wealth for the whole empire. An example that um, the various territories of the empire can contribute with something that's useful for for the center of the empire, meaning uh, the king, Denmark, Copenhagen. Uh, and, uh, and 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 this uh, mine was a very uh, great workplace. And um, um, as for the number of inhabitants, it was one of the largest Norwegian cities. So so yes, yes, this was um, also mm. uh, to deliver silver as a as a kind of of currency to uh, uh, finance. Um, uh, well, the, the, the Danish uh, Empire, the, the um, administration of uh, the government and uh, not least the, the military and also um, uh, the, um, uh, the uh, colonies around the world. 
Was Tornsvald founded by Christian as well? Uh, I don't remember exactly. Um, yeah, I think it was, but, but at least it was strongly developed during his reign. And now it's kind of started to see a decline of the, or of, as you put it in the book, book title, the fall of the Danish Empire. And how does, we talked a little bit about this earlier as well, but how does Denmark lose the control of the Baltic Sea? Uh, by, by by the fact that Sweden becomes a great power, becomes a stronger power than uh, 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 Den Denmark. That's uh, what happens during the 17th um, century, and Sweden uh, is able to, um, uh, to to add several military defeats uh, to Denmark, and then later on during the um, 18th century, then Russia begins to manifest herself as an important Baltic power. So, so uh, that, that, that means um, uh, the Danish Empire is no longer able to maintain its um, superiority of the Baltic um, uh, area. And do forgive me if I, if I go back and forth now, but something we kind of have to talk about because as well as we talked about this in the previous episode with Danish and relations to Rome and the Pope. Now, there's a certain Martin Luther King that becomes... Yeah, Martin Luther King. Uh, yeah, King and he's made Protestant and Denmark embrace, and Scandinavia embrace Protestantism. So how does this affect the relations? I would assume they lose relations with the Pope in Rome. Yes, uh, the Reformation, the Protestant, the Lutheran Reformation, that means an, um, uh, an, a, um, a reinforcement of the Danish Empire in three aspects. Firstly, um, um, financially, as uh, the, um, the huge landed estates that had belonged to the church are now being uh, seized by the Danish crown, thus um, strengthening the, the crown um, you know, significantly. And then um, um, uh, secondly, as the church will now, now becomes a state church with the king as its head instead of uh, with the Pope as its head, that means that um, the king can use uh, the state church for uh, also for administrative purposes. And that means each uh, vicar with, within the uh, parishes all over the empire, they are the king's servants and can be used, for example, to, um, um, to, um, uh, to, to emphasize for um, uh, the people in the parishes that they should um, obey the king and, uh, and do what, what the king says. So, so then administratively, it also strengthens the, 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 um, uh, the, the empire. And thirdly, um, the fact that the king is now the head of the of uh, the church it's a state church that also means that nobody can interfere in internal danish affairs what what um, uh, unlike um, the time prior to the reformation where uh, the pope uh, uh, could uh, interfere in in uh, internal danish affairs so not now so uh, and they don't and, have um, to pay taxes to the pope anymore as well no they don't no then they have to pay to uh, the king but that's another, and um, it, it also means that um, 
um, it also strengthens the the, um, uh, the king and the empire uh, spiritually or ideologically as uh, uh, the church is now his and uh, not uh, and there is no um, external uh, factors, for example, a pope that can interfere uh, at all. So, um, so the Re Reformation is, means a, a um, really a strengthening of uh, the royal power and of the Danish Empire. So, but how does Denmark lose Norway to Sweden? Did it? Is it through a deal or is it through war? That was through war in the Napoleon Napoleonic Wars, and um, the uh, where Denmark had sided with uh, Napoleon, whereas the Swedes they had um, chosen one of Napoleon's uh, marshals, uh, Jean Baptiste Bernadotte, as uh, crown prince. And uh, Sweden had lost Finland um, to Russia. And uh, the reason why they chose uh, Bernadotte was that um, they would thereby get French support to reconquer Finland. But uh, uh, Bernadotte thought otherwise. He thought, uh, why not accept the fact that uh, Finland has been lost for Sweden? Instead, we should get uh, territorial compensation for Sweden. And that territorial compensation he had in mind, that was Norway. And um, since uh, um, the Danish Empire had been on, on um, uh, Napoleon's side, then um, say, well, the, uh, and, uh, and Napoleon had lost, then um, um, uh, Denmark had to, to cede Norway as, as a consequence of the defeat in the Napoleonic Wars, as a consequence of having sided with Napoleon. Was, mm. And um, is this when we start to see the fall of the Danish Empire as a kind of turning point? Uh, yes, I would say this, um, 1814 and uh, 1658, these are, I think, the, the crucial turning points from, 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 from uh, uh, or at least we can perhaps back to the age of Christian IV saying that was when um, it stopped expanding and uh, gradually began to diminish and um, i remember i come as far i haven't finished a book as yet as i told you before recording but there were worries germany as well was this when prussia started to get the gain territory in germany and they lose to prussia is that is, is it was it prussia they lost to uh, yes that's right there was the two duchies of Schleswig and holstein uh, they were, um, Holstein was a German uh, duchy, part of the German Empire, but uh, with the King of Denmark as its duke, and Schleswig was an old Danish um, uh, territory that had never been part of the German Empire, yet there were many German speakers living there, and it had, and Schleswig had close relations to Holstein, and the, uh, uh, and um, uh, it began as a national movement of independence, wanting, um, uh, there were many of the German-minded inhabitants of Schleswig-Holstein wanted the Germans uh, should, um, should uh, join the new uh, German state that was um, being outlined, uh, a, a Germany that was um, uh, unified instead of being subdivided into several uh, kingdom and duke, dukedom, uh, duchies and uh, uh, principalities and whatever. There, should, there would be one 
unified German state and the inhabitants and the German-minded inhabitants of Schleswig and Holstein, we want to join that state. It's for Germans. We are Germans. That's why we should be part of that. Whereas the Danish-minded um, inhabitants of Schleswig, they said, no way. We are. We belong to uh, the King of Denmark. We are an old Danish territory. We will never accept uh, being part of uh, a unified German German state. So that was a, a national co conflict about uh, the um, of, of the belonging of a certain uh, territory, and that led to uh, two wars um, during the nineteenth um, century. The first one from eighteen forty eight to eighteen fifty one, and the second one eighteen sixty four. And the war in uh, eighteen sixty four was a disastrous defeat for Denmark. So that Denmark had to cede both uh, Holstein and Schleswig. That means many um, inhabitants of Schleswig were Danish-minded and were now forced uh, to live under German rule. And um, furthermore, this yeah. defeat of 1864 that uh, gave uh, that was uh, a shock, a trauma for Denmark uh, that um, uh, has uh, perhaps not really been um, been overcome yet. Is this where we start to see that people kind of just, you mentioned this in the book as well, that people just tolerate Denmark's existence and they just don't, they're just there because other powers accept, just let them, then they could have just easily taken them, but they just tolerate them for just being there. Yes, after 1864, Denmark became a small and weak state especially after uh, Germany had been uh, unified in a, in, a, in a large and big state. And that, that, that meant that um, militarily, Denmark was unable to uh, help her, herself. And, um, uh, and uh, it meant that uh, Denmark had to ad adapt the geographical facts, uh, adapt to the fact that uh, she was neighbor to the overmighty German empire. Um, and um, um, uh, still Denmark was um, in control of the entrance to the Baltic Sea. So it means if uh, Germany had just conquered the whole Denmark, it might have um, caused uh, problems with, with other powers saying, now th that will make Germany too strong. We cannot accept that. Mm. That would disturb the balance of power. We must interfere. But uh, militarily, Denmark was very, very weak and threatened uh, and uh, especially by um, by uh, uh, Germany, uh, so um, but uh, but this was historically seen quite a quite quite a new situation for the Danish Empire that used to be a not a great power but used to be a middle-sized European power uh, that um, had strong influence on European politics, but uh, that was all gone in 1864. And is this where we start to see that the colonies that they are left, like the Faroe Islands and Iceland and Greenland, start to find worry about yes. their identity and their identity? Where, where, who are we? Are we Danish or are we yes. Faroe Islands or Icelandic people? To put it yes. that way. Yes, these North Atlantic islands, uh, they had come together with Norway. Yet, when Norway was ceded, they remained under the Danish Empire. Uh, probably because the Swedes did not want them, they did not ask for them. Um, uh, and these um, um, European islands, uh, they also felt uh, the um, 
emergence of nationalism during the uh, 19th uh, century, especially for Iceland, uh, uh, that um, where there was a strong um, um, feeling that we are, we are Icelanders, we are not Danes, and let's say we were they. And when um, um, a parliament was introduced in Denmark in uh, 1849, the Icelanders said, "No, we will not be represented in the Danish parliament because we are not Danes. We are Icelanders, and we will also be in our mi minority in the parliament. So therefore, we will not be part of." Of uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we accept the king of Denmark, but we will not be represented in the Danish parliament because we are not Danes, we are Icelanders. The Faroe in on the Faroe Islands, um, the nas national nationalist sentiments were not that developed, so the, the Faroe Islands had a representative in the Danish parliament. In Greenland, um, uh, they were uh, the uh, um, the uh, Inuit population there, they they were not considered, um, um able to be represented in parliament so um uh, so uh, greenland uh, remained not being unrepresented in the danish parliament until 1953 um, when, when greenland became uh, well just a, a part of denmark a, a, a province on equal term with all other danish provinces and how, how does iceland gain independence and when do iceland gain independence well they were there um in 1918 um there was uh, there was the the act of federation making uh, denmark and iceland two separate kingdoms having the same king but otherwise uh, not very much in common uh, and uh, this um yet this um uh, deal on on a federation that was from danish side it was uh, considered as dano-icelandic relations had now find had now found a, a stable and durable um, condition. Yet in Iceland, it was interpreted as the first step towards full independence. And in 1940, uh, Denmark was occupied by the Germans, and that meant the, the connections with Iceland were, were broken off. Uh, whereas, uh, and uh, then um, uh, the, the British then uh, occupied Iceland to prevent the Germans from doing it, and later on the Americans took over. And in 1944, the um, uh, treaty from 1918 um, had expired, and the Icelanders decided, well, we'll uh, declare full independence now. So, um, uh, and, um, uh, and, uh, and as, it, as it was, um, uh, connections between Den uh, Denmark and Iceland were um, were, had already been uh, disconnected due to uh, the fact that Denmark was occupied by the Germans and American troops were in Iceland. Um, about today, would you, would, because Denmark still have Greenland, right? And they have uh, the Fairy Islands as well. Yes. So would you say that they technically kind of is an empire still, or would, you, would that be to be integral? <sighs> well, that depends on uh, how you define empire. Uh, we have used this expression because we think it's a term that is so uh, open, so broad that it can be used both uh, on uh, the Viking period and the age of Christian IV and uh, uh, today uh, as empire saying that empire means an area where somebody has uh, the right to order, the right to command. Uh, but um, uh, the various territories of that area might be very 
heterogeneous, both uh, population-wise, geographically, um, uh, commercially, um, and uh, constitutionally as well. And then we're going to say, well, um, um, Denmark is uh, one uh, state with representatives of all territories, including uh, the Faroe Islands and Greenland, in the parliament. Yet, both um, Greenland and the Faroe Islands have uh, strong autonomy. They have their own parliaments uh, that are um, that, that can decide uh, a lot of uh, matters uh, independently from the, the, the Danish uh, parliament. And uh, furthermore, in these years, we see that the North Atlantic is, is getting an increased strategic um, importance internationally seen. And that means um, uh, so will both Greenland and the Faroe Islands get, and that we see as a growing um, self-awareness in Greenland and on the Faroe Islands saying we will, um, a lot of that uh, international politics about the North Atlantic, that's very relevant for us, that's very important for us, and that means we should um, decide upon that ourselves, we should not leave it to the Danish government, to the Danish Ministry of Foreign Affairs, but we should uh, we, we should be there when the Danish Minister of Foreign Affairs meets his American or Russian or Chinese colleague. We, representatives of the Faroe Islands and Greenland, should be there and take active and actively take part in the negotiations and not just uh, leave it to the, the Danish Minister of Foreign Affairs. So, so um, due to the fact that um, uh, the North Atlantic uh, is becoming uh, strategically more and more important in these years. Uh, it means that um, uh, uh, th there is a, a, a stronger awareness uh, on in Greenland and on the Faroe Islands that um, of their importance, internet, their international importance, and consequently uh, a stronger demand for um, for actively um, participating. In, in, in international affairs and not leave it to uh, the, minister, the Danish foreign minister. Is this because Russia has been starting to move its troops up in the North Sea? Um, well, it's, it's more than that. It's because due to um, the melting of the ice in the poles, mm. it's possible for uh, shipping traffic to uh, pass mm. uh, across the North Pole that used to be uh, impossible uh, uh, due, due to the, the, the ice. So, so th that means um, uh, these waters are now becoming very, very important um, uh, waters for international trade and shipping. And um, of course, uh, there'll be more um, uh, and, and therefore they, they have attracted uh, a very, very strong strategical interest by the great powers and uh, then um, uh, and then the, the Danish Empire is just uh, in the middle of all that. And is the threat of Russia part of it as well? Because you, you see on, on the news that Russia tried to move up north into the North Sea as well. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Russia has also a very strong interest in, um, in, in the, the North Sea and the trade routes through the North uh, Sea. So, um, so, uh, and so that means this North Atlantic uh, used to be a very an, an area of a, of relatively low tension, but now it's um, uh, it's a very um, uh, it's an area where where there are strong international tensions, and it's demand that um, um, Denmark should do more to um, to to maintain her sovereignty of that. Uh, uh, 
area. Now, I don't know if you're seeing this, but on YouTube, there's some YouTube channels that kind of theorized what would a United Scandinavia look like today. And it seemed to me that it would be quite powerful if United Sweden, Finland, Denmark, and Norway, and maybe Iceland as well. What do you think about this? Would, would you think it would have worked? So, but I probably answered the question already, seeing that we looked back at history with the common union and the sort of unification of Scandinavia didn't work before. Yes. But do you think it would work today or would it be hopeless? Um, no, I, I think it, I don't think it would work uh, today. Uh, there are on certain matters we can agree in Scandinavia on um, uh, equality. Uh, of about gender equality and um, uh, social welfare and so but there are other matters where um, we do not uh, agree uh, or, or at least in the, or, or there are different uh, different interests as for um, uh, free trade for example or um, or uh, um, or uh, uh, support for uh, the agricultural uh, sector and furthermore it will say who shall um, um, and, and there may also be problems saying why should uh, uh, should uh, Danes pay taxes that uh, where the revenue is uh, only in favor of the Norwegians and the other way mm -hmm. around so there will be so I I think uh, 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 I, and, and then there will be the so on the basic question, who should be king or queen in, in that mm. uh, uh, union? But um, but of course that, that's of course not the, the the reason why I cannot do. But I, I think there are even if uh, Scandinavians have many things in common, there there are also things that um, um, that, that are parting them from each other. And um, uh, so I, I don't think it, it would be. Uh, uh, Realist and and then the other, even if uh, and um, as a state then um, uh, it we we would think it would be a large state with all the Scandinavian countries yet in comparison with states like in Britain France uh, etc it wouldn't really be that such a big state population wise so uh, it wouldn't be um, and um, it would be geographically big but uh, population wise not really a a, a large state so. Um, I don't for, for all these reasons. I don't think um, it's um, uh, it, it would be a, a realist uh, uh, thought to to see a unified Scandinavia. Yet um, there were also attempts to do that during the nineteenth um, century, um, and um, uh, they have and these attempts have usually been seen as uh, ideas that, uh, that that were totally unrealistic. Yet, um, a, um, a historian, one of my colleagues, actually have recently demonstrated that um, the idea of a unified Scandinavian state uh, during in uh, prior to the war of 1864 was not that unrealistic as it uh, has been uh, seen afterwards. It did not. Uh, it didn't uh, succeed. Yet, uh, it doesn't mean uh, that um, uh, it. Uh, it, it it was deemed not to succeed. Uh, had uh, some things been just a little more different, then it might have materialized in 1863. Uh, so, uh, but it didn't. But it did, but that doesn't mean that uh, it that the idea was uh, hopeless uh, by then or already, as uh, historians have since then tended to believe. I think we would crush it in the winter, James. Though, if you were a United States country. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for coming. And uh, before we go, do you have any social media you wish to share that, or any links you wish me to put in the description? And can you, because you mentioned that your book will be available in English, but the title of the book has not been yet decided. But could you tell, tell us when the book might be available in English? Uh, in um, 2022, uh, that, that's what the, our publisher has has. Uh, uh, set so then it will it will be an it will be of course an uh, updated version in comparison with this that was uh, that we published in two thousand and four so there will be um, um, it will be an updated version both with new research that has appeared since then and of course with the development that has um, happened since uh, two thousand and uh, uh, four among other things uh, the offer. Uh, two years ago by President Trump that the US should buy Greenland. Mm. What do you think of that? Um, <laughs> it, it was, uh, <laughs> uh, of course, out of the question, but uh, uh, what he actually meant was that if Denmark wants to keep Greenland, he has to uh, do more to maintain her sovereignty of that area. That means um, increased military presence due to the fact that the North Atlantic is becoming a, a strategically very important. So it, it was his way of saying, you need to uh, spend more military expenses if you want to keep Greenland. Mm. I, I remember Conan O'Brien, the talk show host, doing a bit about Trump wanting to buy Greenland. And Greenlanders don't seem to agree that they don't want, they don't want to be US citizens. No, no, that's right. But still, it shows that Greenland is important. And that has also strengthened the um, self-awareness of the Greenlanders saying, well, we will uh, we look how things to the Danish government, look how important we are. So uh, mm. we will not um, accept anything from you. We, we, we demand that you we should that we should be hurt and get and get more influence than uh, you have given us till till now. Thank you so much for coming. This has been well that age well. Next week we'll do a collaboration where we will we'll, with the, another podcast called The Book Boys. We will review a book which is quite different from what we usually do, and you may have heard of it. It's called The Odyssey, which we will talk about next week. And my name is Alan. This has been well that age well. We are available where you can buy find podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, wherever. We are also on Instagram under well that age well. Make sure to follow us there for latest update on guests and what topic we will talk about next week. Thank you so much for coming. My name is Alan, and I'll see you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.